Good morning, everybody. How many of y'all feel good? All right. One of (laughs) y'all. Let's try that again. How many of y'all feel good? Down in your soul. Anybody feel good down in your soul? All right. All right, y'all. So we want to welcome you, y'all. We are two weeks away from being one year old. Praise God. So we just thank God for everything that he has done. Uh, It's summer months, but y'all know folks trickle back in. In September, after the weather start getting a little chilly. So we're going to pray for their uh, traveling mercies. Um, but we're so grateful that we're in our series in the book of Romans. Uh, we've been going through this for the last four or five weeks now. Uh, so today we're going to go to Romans 5. Romans 5. And you get your Bibles. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Romans, the fifth chapter, starting at the first verse. Um, I'm going to try to go as far as I can go today. Uh, last time I was up, I did Romans 1, and uh, we preached for a while. So uh, y'all pray for me, because uh, Romans 5 is filled with just as much information as Romans 1. It's a lot to unravel here, so I hope you guys are ready. Are you guys ready for the word? You guys ready for the word? All right. Y'all going to have to yell at me today, all right? I need some folks to preach with me. All right. Therefore, starting at the first verse. Since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I'm going to stay right there. Therefore, meaning that Paul is moving on from a previous discussion. So we already talked about Romans 4. We talked about faith last on Wednesday night. Uh, We discussed uh, how God is always looking for progression. He's not looking for perfection because he knows we'll never be perfect, but he's looking for progression. Look at your neighbor and say, progress, progress, progress. Oh, I'm going to make y'all talk to me today. God is not looking for perfection. God is looking for progression. So we talked about Abraham uh, last Wednesday night, and we talked about the promises of God. That what God's purpose was with Abraham was to develop his faith to such a point to where it was second nature, but to trust him. And I don't know if many of us are at the point yet where God can put a word in our spirit and we trust it immediately. So in order for God to get you there, he has to build your muscle of faith. So he puts you through different transitions and different trials and tribulations to the point to where he has proven himself over and over again to the point to where when God says it, you believe it. Uh huh. Many of us get through some situations and some things that God says seem impossible to us. And because they seem impossible to us, we seem to waver in our faith. So what God does is he puts you through different trials and tribulations and he's watching to see whether or not you'll stay on track to get to your promise. Now watch this. He knows that you're going to fall off the track, but what he's focused on is whether or not you'll get back on the track. So when we begin to study the life of Abraham, we begin to see all of these imperfections. But the thing that pleased God was not Abraham trying to be perfect. What pleased God was Abraham continuously having faith. What made him righteous with God was not his perfection. It was not his works, but it was his faith. Look at your neighbor and say, my faith is important. My faith is important. So Abraham, God tells him not to take Lot with him, and Abraham takes Lot with him. He falls off the track. 
but he gets back on the track. Abraham, God tells him that him and Sarah are going to have a seed. He lays with Agar. He falls off the track, but he gets back on the track. And eventually, by the time Abraham gets to the end result, God finally speaks to him, tells him to sacrifice his son. And Abraham had been through too much at this point of going over and over through trials and tribulations that it became second nature to trust God. And what we are, God is trying to get us to the point to where we trust him even in our toughest circumstances. Uh, uh Some of us, we trust God till things get hard. Some of us, we trust God till things seem to bother or shake and move in directions that we don't expect. And then we fall off the track. But I'm here to tell somebody, get back on the track and keep trusting him. Uh If all of us tell the truth in here, we've all made some mistakes. We've all been in some places where God told us to do some things and we didn't do it and we were disobedient. Uh But we got back on the track. And God is not necessarily focused. I know a lot of other folks are focused on our flaws and falling off, but God is focused on you getting back on. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, get back on the track. So now we look here at Romans five and one. And this is very significant because Romans five, Paul is now talking to the believers. He's not talking to anybody now, but he's talking to those of us that now have faith in Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, are you a believer? If you're a believer, then this fifth chapter is for you. This chapter is for the believers. So he says, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. I'm going to break this down for y'all for just a couple moments. Y'all with me? Uh, Yasmin grew up with me, so she knows. We lived in a house where, and this isn't down, this isn't bad or anything, but we grew up in a house where we weren't allowed to have a lot of company. I don't know if anybody had that kind of house. Don't let nobody in my house. And you definitely better not let nobody in my house if I'm not home. Yeah, yeah. Now, I had other friends where their house was an open door house. You knocked on the door, you just walked in. Some houses, you just walked in. They had that kind of house. But my house was, you don't just walk into the house. You, just not, you do not just invite somebody into the house. But if somebody wants to come in the house, you better make a sound and let me know that somebody's in my house. So for the first uh, 14, 15 years, we didn't have nobody in the house uh, for whatever reasons. My, you know, my dad was just, he overthought things. Somebody fall in here and bust their head that I'm liable and I got to use my insurance. So he would. So we just didn't even ask. So <laughs> so so by the time we got to high school, my, our friends were mature enough and we were allowed to finally have friends come over, sit in the living room and chill out. But before they came in the house, y'all with me? Before they came in the house, I had to run in the house first, go to the end of the steps and tell my daddy that I was bringing somebody in the house. Because if I brought somebody in the house and went upstairs or went to the bathroom and he came down and seen a stranger in the house, they were subject to his wrath. (laughs) Because they're my friend. But they're an intruder to him. Mm, Y'all with me? So you have to understand that God's wrath was against us. We were an enemy of God. But when we took faith in Christ, (laughs) Christ now took us by the hand, brought us to the house, knocked on the door and said, Daddy, I got some company. 
which allowed us access into the house. Y'all with me? So now since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. Peace does not mean tranquility in this text. But peace means that I'm okay now in his presence. And the only way that I'm okay is in his presence is through Jesus Christ. Y'all with me? The only way that I'm able to come into his throne is through Jesus. That's why when we pray, we say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I'm accessing your throne through Jesus. Jesus has taken my hand and he's allowed me to come in and have peace with God. Because if I come in with Jesus, without Jesus, then I'm subject to wrath. If I come into the presence of God without his blood covering me, y'all going to make me preach it here today. Then I'm subject to God killing me. So in order for me to go to the throne of grace, I've got to make sure that I'm coming in with Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, make sure you come in with Jesus. So we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We also have attained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. I'm not going to be long today. We also obtain access. Look at your neighbor and say, access. The word access there means to make an announcement. It also means to make an announcement to introduce you to the ruler or the king. So not only does Jesus bring you into the door, but Jesus introduces you to the father so that you can tell the father what you want. Y'all with me? Y'all with me today? He brings me into the room and he gives me access to the father. So that I can go to the father in prayer and tell him what I need. Mm. So now we have obtained access to him by faith into this grace. Grace is unmerited favor. So he brings me into, watch this, the house of grace. He brings me in. He announces me to the father. And he brings me in to a place of unmerited favor. He grabs me by the hand. I'm I'm talking slow because I'm going to take you somewhere in a minute. He opens the door and he brings me into daddy's house, which is the house of grace, a.k.a. the house of unmerited favor. Hmm. Unmerited favor is favor that you don't deserve. Unmerited favor is when God drops something on you and you didn't earn it. Unmerited favor is when you can't work enough hours to get what he's going to give you. Mm, Look at your neighbor and say, that's the kind of grace I got. Uh When I look back over my life, I realize that God has done some things that if I work 80, 90 hours a week, I never could obtain it by myself. If I was the most perfect person on earth, I still wouldn't be able to reap the benefits of his unmerited favor. But because Jesus has brought me in, I'm now in a place where I get favor that I don't deserve. See, one of the problems that we have when we come into the house of grace is we're not used to this type of setting. 
All of us have a different type of household and we all have different ways that we operate in our house. Some of y'all eat dinner at the table. Some folks eat, liver, eat in the living room. Some folks eat in the bedroom. Some folks go to bed at eight o'clock. Some folks stay up at one o'clock. So whenever you come into someone's house, you have to adjust. The house of grace we now entered into, we have a problem because we've never been into a house like this before. I've never been in a house where somebody just blesses me just for being there. I've never been inside of somewhere where somebody just loves me just because. Because the currency of heaven and the currency of earth operate on two different currencies. The currencies of earth is a favor for a favor. The currency of earth is you get what you pay for. The currency of earth is the wages of something give you a price for something. But the currency of heaven is unmerited favor and unmerited grace because God knows that you ain't got enough money in the world to get what he's going to pour on you. Look at your neighbor and say, I operate in the currency of grace. Which means that God's going to drop some stuff on me that I don't deserve. God's going to drop some stuff on me that ain't going to make no sense. And I got to learn how to accept his mercy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Preach. Yes, sir. So we struggle because nobody's ever been this good to us before. We struggle in his house of grace. Because anybody else that I would have did wrong like this would have never forgave me. I struggle with his grace because I ain't never heard of somebody putting something on me and not having a price tag for it. See, this, that's our problem with salvation. It's not God, it's us. Because we're so used to people that we can't understand how we serve a God that's so loving, yes. that looks beyond our flaws and looks beyond our faults and sees our needs. There's no way in the world that somebody can be this good. How is this possible? So what we do is we try to pay God back. Because his unmerited favor doesn't make no sense. So we try to overchurch ourselves. We try to outpraise ourselves. I owe him a praise. You owe him a praise. But you'll never, with all your praise, afford his righteousness. <laughs> yeah. And one of the most offensive things I heard is when somebody says, oh, the sacrifice I've done, God has to. He got to bless me. All the services I attended, he don't got to do nothing. You can go to church 365, and it still ain't enough to match the grace that he has bestowed upon you. So we try to pay God back. We try to run and give him money and bless him and shout and dance and church and prophesy and speak in tongues and shout and praise breaks and service every weekend, dancing every weekend, church every night, and Bible study, and tarrying and everything. We do all of this and God says, you're still short. Yeah. 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 
Those of us that grew up in church, a lot of times we thought that we could pay him back. You can't pay him back. Your bill is too steep. So what you have to learn is how to be acclimated. And you have to learn how to just take his grace and say thank you. And because I recognize that I operate in grace, I'm not working to pay him back. I'm working because it's the least that I can do for all that he has done for me. Who am I talking to today? I don't come to church to pay God back. I came here today because the least that I could do is lift my hands and say thank you for all that you've done for me. You'll help me, Holy Ghost. I've come here today not to give God my money, but to say, God, this is just something. For all that you've done for me. And it's going to take some of us 10, 20, 30, 40 years to understand that you'll never be able to pay God back for his goodness. You'll never be able to go in your pocket and pay your way out of the sin, the muck, and the mess that he brought you out of. Let me tell you something. You know why? Because it runs deeper than you. Your sin goes back generations. You were born in sin and shaping in iniquity. Your first father, Adam, entered sin into the earth. So if you're going to pay God back, you got to pay God back for your mama. You got to pay God back for grandmama. You got to pay God back for great-great-grandmama. You got to go back centuries and pay him back for sins that folks did centuries ago. But because of his blood, he has wiped out all of the mess and all of the muck and all of the issues that should come from. I don't know why I feel like preaching today. And that's why we give him praise because he has erased that mess that we could never pay back. Now we also have obtained access to him by faith into his grace. Watch this. In which we stand. In which we stand. I'm established. Thank you. I'm established in his unmerited favor. Can I take you a step further? That word stand means a permanent establishment which means that once you stand in his favor you can never be bought out of it Mm. y'all missed that y'all missed that once you stand in his grace you can never be pulled out of it because he's established you in a place that nothing can move you out of it but you so I'm established an unmerited favor. I'm going to have y'all looking at y'all neighbor all day. Look at your neighbor and say, you standing in favor. 
and there's nothing anybody can do about it. So receive it. Y'all missed that. (laughs) Receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it. When folks talk about you, say, I'm sorry, I can't help it that I'm blessed. When folks start saying, I don't understand how doors, I'm sorry, I'm just established in unmerited favor. Oh, you think you cute? Yeah, I know I'm cute because I'm just established in his goodness and his mercy and it shall follow me all the days of my life. I'm so sorry that I'm blessed. I apologize. You know what? I ain't even making no apologies. I'm just established in blessings. So it's second nature. I expect to come out of this. Y'all, who I'm talking to today? I expect things to get better. I expect doors to open. I'm talking to somebody today. I expect my body to get healed. I expect my family to get saved. I expect God to do something because I'm too favored for God not to bless me. We have also obtained access through him by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. King James Version says we boast in the hope. It's not an arrogance. I'm just I'm just excited and I just know that all things are going to work together for my good. That's why Paul says he don't say so we think he says for this we know. For this we know, Romans 8, 28. For this we know that all things work together for the good of those that love him and the called according to his purpose. So I walk around with my head up because I recognize that I'm going through right now, but this ain't where I'm staying. Trouble ain't going to last always. So I rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Am I talking too fast today? Do y'all know what hope is? There's different types of hope. There's natural hope and there's supernatural hope. But hope is an assurance that it's already yours. <laughs> I'll give you an example. Uh, I'm going to tell it. I don't care. We say I'm still saved. Last year, me and my wife went to a Beyonce concert. And I went. Yes, I did. I wasn't going to go, but I went. And we went and we sat down. We sat there for about a good old hour. And the lights came down. And somebody came up to us and said, you sitting in our seats. And I said, no, I'm not. And I looked at the ticket, and the girl getting ready to go off. I'm like, I'm not sitting in your seat. And Rachel looked at me, pointed up. She said, we in the wrong section. I said, oops. <laughs> but I didn't leave the facility. I didn't leave the concert. Because in my hand was a short hope that there were some seats in the proper place waiting for me. So what we did was we got up with our assured hope that I made the purchase for my seats. And I made up in my mind, well, if I get over there and somebody's in my seats there, they're going to have to get up. Because there's an assured hope off of my purchase that these seats belong to me. Help me, Holy Ghost. So we rejoice in the assurance of hope. We, are, we rejoice in the fact that we know in our back pocket that victory is ours. Yeah. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. I hope in the glory of God, meaning that I don't worry because I recognize in my back pocket I have victory. 
And when I get to where I'm getting to, victory has to be mine. <laughs> I don't care if the devil's fighting me on my job. I don't care if the devil's fighting me on my battle and my family. I don't care if the devil's fighting in whatever's going on in my life. I recognize that I have assured hope that everything has to get better because the glory of God is all over my life. I'm trying to get through this. We only in verses one and two. Y'all with me? Let's move on. And not only that. Uh oh. But we rejoice in our affliction. King James Version says tribulation. How do I rejoice? An affliction. Affliction translated in the Hebrew, in the Greek, is pressure. Pressure. Meaning that what the writer is saying here, what Paul is saying here, is that even when I'm under pressure, I rejoice. I told y'all, we, 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 we got to learn how to rejoice under pressure. And we talked about this last week in Romans 4. Y'all can read that in its entirety. How flawed Abraham was, but even under pressure, Abraham found a way to get back to God. Yeah. Yeah. And too many times we quit, we quit in our affliction because we think the pressure is too much. But it's pressure. It's not a killer. It hurts, but it won't kill you. So God has a training program when you come into his house of grace. He puts you under pressure to teach you how to rejoice under pressure. And some of us are still stuck in training mode one because we have not learned how to praise him under pressure. So he keeps you under pressure Till you learn how to praise him under pressure. Y'all missed it. So Paul says, I rejoice. Why? Because in my back pocket, I have assured hope that everything has to get better. You got to change your mindset. You got to move out of this is going to last forever. It can't last forever. It has to get better. But God keeps putting you under the same test till you finally get that things are going to have to get better for you. After you pass test one, once you understand that affliction produces endurance. Uh oh. Affliction produces what? And that means to patiently. Endure means that sometimes he'll put something on you that you got to carry for 20 years. Amen. Watch this. But you still rejoice. Sometimes he'll put a thorn in your side that won't leave you alone. But he wants to see whether or not you'll rejoice. You're quiet. Some of us have had some things that we've been praying God to take away from us and he just ain't seem to take it away from us in the last 10 years. And God says, I'm keeping it there to teach you endurance. Because after level two, 
it teaches you proven character. And character means you've been tested. Hmm. A person with character does not mean it's a person that is just a great person. But a person that has character is a person that has been tested. A person of character is a person that has been under pressure, that has patiently endured, and they still have remained the same. Your character says a lot about you because it shows us how you handle pressure. And it shows us how you endure under pressure. I'm not asking anybody to say anything, but I want you to reflect on yourself. And if you were to define your character today, how would you define your character to yourself? Are you a quitter? Are you a complainer? Or do you have perseverance? Do you fight? And I don't mean fight in an evil way. I mean you fight through it. Yes. You get up every morning and say, I'm coming out. You get up every year and say, this year going to be my year. And they say, you say that every year. Yep, and that was my year last year too. You declare your victory before you even have it. What kind of character do you have? And then character produces hope. It gets you to the point to where you walk around confident. Folks call it arrogance. You call it confident. Because you know that everything's going to be all right. Thank you. you ever been around somebody like that before that's just too optimistic? And you're like, I just wish you would be negative like me. <laughs> it's going to rain. Well, the Lord might want rain because, you know, it was a drought. You know, it could be hot. And you just get angry. Leave me alone. I want to be mad. <laughs> God's trying to get you there. God's trying to make you see. That even in negative situations, there's a blessing out of it. Some of our most negative places that we've been in our life have taught us some of the most valuable lessons. And we cannot just look at everything as negative. We got to look at it as taught me so much. I learned so much before I came to Hope Haven. And if I sit around and complain about the negative I'm not thanking God for the positive because even in the negative, it taught me how to study In the negative. It taught me how to pray In the negative. It taught me how to fast In the negative. It taught me how to stay steadfast. So now I'm looking back and I'm recognizing everything wasn't negative about it. It got me to where I was. And now I can say thank you for everything I've been through because I wouldn't be standing here if I didn't go through what I went through. That's what gave me this character. Am I talking today or am I just bothering y'all? This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into the hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given it to us. We're going to talk about that in a couple next week because we're going to do a series on the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, if you got the Holy Ghost, it'll give you hope. In some dire situation. Yes, yes. Thank you, That's how you know you got the Holy Ghost. Yes. <laughs> Not when you shout. That's right. Not when you speak in tongue. Thank you, 
Uh-oh, some of y'all say, no, oh, no, no, the gift is evidence of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. I'm going to tell you what the evidence of the Holy Ghost is. The evidence of the Holy Ghost is the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. That's right. Paul said, I'd rather have love than to speak a bunch of languages. Y'all quiet in here. All right, all right. All right, I'm going to get in trouble because some of y'all are like, no, I speak and you speak in tongue, but you mean as a rattlesnake. That's right. That's right. You speak in tongue, but you're evil. You speak in tongue, but don't nobody want to be around you. That ain't no Holy Ghost. That's gibberish. The Holy Ghost makes you love people. Uh, I got to sit down. Holy Ghost makes you want to live right. Holy Ghost makes you want to do right. Holy Ghost makes you hug folks that despitefully use you. The Holy Ghost makes you forgive. Yes. Now we testing on who really got the Holy Ghost. Because you got a whole bunch of tongue-talking devils that say they got the Holy Spirit. You ain't got the Holy Spirit. You learn how to do church talk. That's why so many tongues sound the same because it was taught. That ain't no spirit. We all can hunt them no, 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 no. But how many of us can love, have temperance, have long suffering? Ooh, I'm talking to some Holy Ghost folks. The evidence of the Holy Ghost is the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> so this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given it to us. I'm almost done. For while we were still helpless, I can preach this by itself. While we were still what? At the appointed Christ died for the ungodly. Which tells me that he died before I did it. Which tells me that I can't pay him back because he already paid the cost before I did it. Help me, Jesus. So all this ain't going to save you because while we were yet sinners, at the appointed moment, he knew when he was going to save you. Yes, yes. <laughs> he died for the ungodly. Is this helping somebody today? We are, as the church, I'm not talking here, I'm talking to the church, have become so works-based. And I'm not saying no works, because faith without works is dead. But you cannot work your way into salvation. If I have to work for the Holy Ghost, it's not a gift. And I've heard that testimony. I earned the Holy Ghost. I tarried. He had to give it to me. Then that ain't a gift. That's an earned wage. You worked for the Holy Ghost. Which means God gave you what was due to you because you earned it. Which means that it is not a gift of grace, which contradicts the Bible. Uh, help me, God. 
Am I helping y'all today? I had to help myself. Because I had I actually thought, I actually had the audacity, Darnell, to think that I had something to do with my salvation. <laughs> Can I go a step further? You thought you coming to the front of the church and confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart, you had something to do with it. No. Because the Bible says at the appointed moment. Meaning that God knew before you knew that you was going to come and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. So you can't even take credit for your call to salvation. It's by Christ alone, by grace alone, and by faith alone. All right, I'm boring, y'all. I'm going to close up. For rarely will someone die for a just person. Though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die, but God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, <laughs> while we were still in our mess, while we were still at the club, while we were still smoking our weed, while we were still blacking out drunk, while we were still in our fornication and adultery, Christ Die for us. Oh, I got some folks that recognize his grace now. Next verse. Much more than since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from wrath. Not wrath from the devil, wrath from him. For if while we were enemies... Of God, not enemies of the devil. Let's take the devil out of this. The devil is nothing but an agent that makes you sin. But he is not the person that has wrath against you. He just wants you on his side. We were enemies of God. But through his blood, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Then how much more having been reconciled will we be saved by his life? I'm going to close here. I'm going to close here. I got to close here. I got to close here. Uh, because now when you go later on, and I'm not, I ain't got time to read the whole thing. We go from 12 to 21. It talks about the old Adam and it talks about the new Adam. It talks about the old Adam and it talks about the new Adam. Look at your neighbor and say the old Adam and the new Adam, and both of them had something to do with a tree. <laughs> and both trees were cursed. <laughs> the day that you eat of this tree, Adam, first, you will surely die. But Adam disobeyed God, which entered him into sin. Mm-hmm which then made him condemned, which then entered him into death. So a man, watch this, went from eternal life to death. But the only way for man to be reconciled and go back into eternal life was someone had to die again. So eternal life to death to death to eternal life. Does this make sense? So now the second Adam comes to the other tree, which is called the cross. And he changed that sin to righteousness. He changed that condemnation to justification. And he changed that death to life. 
I'll make it easy for you. There was a couple, husband and wife. They got married, and they just spending money. Just spending. Get their check every week and just spend it. Enjoy themselves. Had a good old time. It was balling. New cars, new clothes. They was doing, doing their thing. I'm closing here. But one day they decided they was going to go buy a house. And when they went to go buy a house, they went to the real estate agent. The real estate agent showed them a house. They said, I want that one. He said, all right, great. I'm going to hook you up with my broker. And then my broker, he's going to get you your credit and your line of credit, and you're going to get this mortgage, and you guys going to move into that house. So the mortgage, real estate agent took them to the broker. The broker said, okay, give me your social security numbers. They gave him the social security numbers. He looks, and a, the computer blew up. <laughs> and they said, what happened? He said, your credit was so bad, you broke my computer. He said, ain't nothing I can do for y'all. He said, you know what, there is something I can do for y'all. He said, I'm going to hit you up with my friend. I'm going to take you to my friend. He's a financial advisor. And my friend, the financial advisor, he's going to tell you guys what to do to fix your credit. So he took them to the financial advisor. And the financial advisor said, okay, I'm going to try to get you guys this house. I know how much you want it. But what I need you guys to do is I need you to go online and print out your banking statements. They printed out their banking statements, and when they printed out the banking statements, the man looked at the issue and said, this is the problem. He said, the problem is you guys spend more money than you have, which puts you in debt, which drops your score, which is why you can't get the house. So what you guys need to do is you guys need to work on paying this stuff off, which will rise your credit, and we can get you the house. The problem was, was that the credit cards that they took out had so much interest that no matter what they paid on it, it didn't make a debt. Hmm. So they were paying every single month, but it felt like they were making no type of progress because the interest rate was too high. And they never could get themselves out of the debt, even though they had a ledger of their financial statements. But one day, the girl realized that she had a rich daddy. And she called her daddy, and her daddy said, what do you need? She said, Daddy, we can't afford nothing. And the daddy went in his bank, paid everything in full, and gave them a down payment for the house. <laughs> what are you saying, Pastor Joel? What I'm saying is, is that we were so in debt in sin that we could not afford our way into heaven. So what God did was he gave us a man by the name of Moses who gave us the law, a.k.a. our banking statement, which showed us how far in debt we were, but did not bring us out of debt. And no matter how much we tried to pay towards our debt, we could not be free from our debt. But one day by faith, we called on our daddy and our daddy came and paid the bill in full unmerited grace, unmerited favor. We didn't deserve it. We were a mess, but because he loved us, he paid it in full, which gave us access to the house. Does that make sense? God's grace works just like that, that none of us deserved it. And no matter how great, no matter how hard we try to work, no matter how hard we try to praise, 
no matter how hard we try to go to church, the interest of our sin just keeps compounding and we never can get out of it. But when we call on the name of Jesus, see right there, I can holler, but I'm going to go home. When we call on the name of Jesus or when we called on the name of Jesus, because the fifth chapter is for believers, he sprinkled his blood on the blood on the on the financial statement and it spelled out paid and full. And now we have access to the throne. And can I tell you something? Now that you got access to the throne, don't you be a fool. Because you know what the debt of sin feels like. Who am I talking to? We know what it feels like to be so far gone that there was, there's no one else that could save us but him. Now that we understand the fullness of his grace, we don't take it for granted. I don't try to be perfect, but I try to progress towards him. And my goal, my goal, my goal in God, as I close and sit down right here, I'm finished for real, I'm closing the book. My goal in God right here is to get to a point to where my faith in him is second nature. Because he says, God is not a man, Numbers 23 and 19, that he should lie. Nor the son of man, that he shall repent. Hath he spoken it, and shall he not do it? And hath he said it, and shall he not make it good? Which means that if he has said it, I got to believe it, I got to receive it, I got to apply it, and I got to go get it. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap on today. I'm closing right here. I don't, wow, that's a house of hope right there. (laughs) Like a house of haunted. (laughs) Jesus. I don't see no hope in that. <laughs> Thank you. That's hope right there. Look at <laughs> Hope Haven. <laughs> We're a haven of hope. That's what our whole church thing is. That's what our whole church mission is about, is that this is a place of hope for people that feel hopeless. And I want you guys to carry your ticket in your back pocket, your assurance that everything is going to be all right. Look at your neighbor one more time. This is my last neighbor. And say, neighbor, everything is going to be all right. Now, y'all better praise God together. All right, I'm going to have a word of prayer, and I'm going to pray for Zoe. Come where she at. She here? She sleep? She not sleep? Come here, Zoe. We're going to have a word of prayer for Zoe first. Come on, Zoe. All right. You going to let Uncle Joel pray for you? All right. All right. This is my homegirl right here. I love her so much. I love her so much. I'm so proud of her. What grade you going to? Second. Second grade. And you know what? 
Well, the devil ain't going to have no victory. Amen. The devil ain't going to have no victory, so we don't accept any evil report. We speak victory right now. And God, we walk in the confidence of knowing that all things are going to work together for your good. Touch her from the crown of her head to the soles of her feet, God. And God, as my hands is upon her head, God, I pray, God, that there's a transferring of your blood, God, to run all through her veins, God. God, kill every impurity, God. Destroy anything, God, that just tries to look evil and try to bring back an evil report, God. We speak victory. We speak life. We speak good health. We speak success. God, I declare right now, God, that this will be one of the best school years of her life. Touch her right now, God, in the name of Jesus, God. We pray for healthiness, God, healthiness, God. God, strengthen her, God, in the name of Jesus, God. We speak against, God, any pains, God, anything that's abnormal, God, anything that don't feel right, God, anything that a second grader shouldn't be feeling, God, take it away right now, God. God, allow her to be the happiest, God, that she's ever been, God. God, we speak against any type of thing, God, that tries to come against her, any teacher, any, any wiles of the enemy, any evil report, God. We speak great reports right now, God. In the name of Jesus, God, touch your parents, God, in the name of Jesus, God, instruct them, God, anoint their hands, God, anoint their eyes, God, God, as they lay hands on her in the middle of the night, God, we speak healing right now, God, in the name of Jesus, God, and we thank you right now, God, victory is done, God, we thank you right now, God, in Jesus' name we pray, amen, 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 amen. amen. I asked Darnell support do something for me as I was praying for her. I heard the Holy Ghost say, you make sure you lay hands on her every night and you pray victory over her for the next 365 days. And God's going to switch every report. God's going to switch every report. We declare right now in Jesus name. Amen. You also, all y'all got to do is lay hands and believe because we serve a God that is able to do exceeding. And if God will do it for Darnell Zipporah, God will do it for all of us. This is mutual faith. This is faith to faith. Amen. When I'm weak in faith, I need your strength. And when you're weak in faith, you need my strength. And we just, we got to have some mutual faith in here. And we speak against any devil, any anything that tries to speak defeat in this house. Amen. I'm sorry. I feel God in here today. I feel God in here. I speak supernatural growth in this place. In the name of Jesus, God. Fill this place with your glory, God. Oh, God, allow this place, God, to just be a light, God. Light us up, God, in this corner of 875 Mantua Pike, God. Draw them in, God. Draw them in, God. The word is here, God. Your presence is here, God. You move right here, God, by your spirit, God, and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go, the number two, hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.